Hey, it's John Dixon here. This is a bonus tidbit from our recent episode called Science Wars. It's all about why the historical conflict between religion and science is built on a myth. As you've probably already guessed, some topics just really excite us, which means I can go overboard on the number of questions I ask our guests. Actually, I just think it's perfect. It's only producer Kaylee and director Mark who complain about this. But we know that our undeceivers are on my side, not director Mark and producer Kaylee's side. They want to hear everything. And so I'll be giving you more stuff like this as the season progresses. Sometimes we'll give you content as bonus pieces that we've cut out of the episodes. And sometimes we'll drop an extended episode. So you'll be hearing the uncut or at least less cut episode. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this little section from my interview with David Hutchings and James Ungiranu about their book of Popes and Unicorns. And in particular, how in the world the creators of the religion versus science myth decided that one of my heroes, Augustine, was a dummy. If you listen to this show, you might have heard me mention, you know, once or twice, that um, I'm a fan of Augustine of Hippo, the 4th and 5th century bishop and theologian, who is widely regarded, not just by my mates, as the most influential Western thinker for a thousand years. So, true to form, he gets special mention by Draper and White. Dishonourable mention. They see him as the ultimate representative of turning your brain off. Uh, he, he came, uh, he, was, he was active in an era where there had been all this wonderful philosophy and, and thinking and proto-science uh, that had been going on for centuries under the Greeks and the Romans. And he's got this really prominent position within the church and, and his writings are going left, right and centre. And what he does with them is tell people to stop thinking. This is according to mm -hmm. Draper and White. Um, to not engage with the Greeks, to not engage with the Romans. Um, that curiosity is to be punished. Uh, that the Bible tells us everything we need to know and we shouldn't look anywhere else or think about anything else. This is a caricature that they, they paint of Augustine. So he becomes um, the arch enemy of human intellectual progress. Yes, and the gateway to the Dark Ages. That's right. Uh, very selective reading of St. Augustine, I, I, would, I would argue. Um, they, uh, White had a massive library, uh, but mostly of Protestant historians and Protestant uh, history and, and uh, theology. So his uh, understanding of more ancient guys like St. Augustine, I, I, would, I would argue, is very limited. And I'm not entirely convinced that Draper read any of St. Augustine at all. Um, he was mostly drawing from critics of St. Augustine, uh, particularly Enlightenment critics, philosophers who argued against a concept of original sin. Um, so again, it's, it's an example of where these guys are uh, very selectively looking at history to fit their own particular ideology, their own Christianity at, at, at the time. Um, but it's not, it's not nothing new. You know, they're drawing from, from different sources. Yeah, and yet, you, as you put it, Augustine's view is that all knowledge, all true knowledge is, is God's knowledge. Yeah. If you look at some of St. Augustine's uh, commentaries on the book of Genesis, and he wrote many commentaries. He, he struggled with, with the book of Genesis all his life. But he had this very nuanced position about taking 
the account of creation literally or metaphorically. He went back and forth on it. And he and he believed that you could you could both have a literal and a more metaphorical interpretation of Genesis. So there there's I wouldn't say ambiguity in his understanding of Genesis, but he, he was honest with with the sources. He was honest with his own uh, rationality and what he, his understanding of the natural world at the time, but he was also honest with Scripture, too. He did see it as inspired by God. He did see it as God-breathed. So he was, there's that tension that you see in St. Augustine that I think is a good model for all Christians to have today. There's that tension where you, where you accept Scripture as authoritative, but you're also humble enough to consider what the latest science is saying. Well, he goes so far uh, uh, as to say um, that if you know, the known science contradicts Scripture— mm. Um, it's probably because our reading of Scripture is wrong and we need to change it. Isn't that an extraordinary... You wouldn't expect that mm. from Augustine. Yeah. You expect it from some liberal who doesn't believe in Scripture, but be- because he believed that truth was truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wherever and at the same time, having a very high view of Scripture, very which is remar- remarkable. Very so, high. Yeah. yeah, he just thinks we're fallible. So yeah. we're, we're obviously reading it wrong is, is, right. is, is his sort of approach. Yeah. The truth is, um, and here I speak as a scientist, that when I started reading more about this, I was blown away by Augustine's scientific thinking. And I would be interested to know how much work has been done on that um, by out-and-out historians of, of, of those ages. Because when I read him now, as a modern scientist, I see lines of thought that we use in my lab every day. Now I can give an example. Uh, he, and Draper, is, uh, White is one that picks this out. So White says, how can you take this guy seriously? How can you take Augustine seriously? When he writes in the City of God that um, peacocks pe- and peacock meat does not decay. You know, this is laughable and, and it's because God loves peacocks. Uh, he says, such claims would be laughed at by a schoolboy, White says. And I thought, well, that's very strange. So I went to find it. And sure enough, it's in there. It's in City of God. For suitable properties will be communicated to the substance of the flesh by him who has endowed the things we see with so marvellous and diverse properties that their very multitude prevents our wonder. For who but God the creator of all things has given to the flesh of the peacock its antiseptic properties? So Augustine is told by somebody else that peacock meat doesn't decay. And it turns out that actually this was an urban myth, that, um, or a rural myth, I suppose, depending on who was telling it, uh, that went round in, in, and maybe was centuries old, possibly even goes back to sort of ancient Greece. And Augustine actually says, um, I was at a banquet and they were, they were serving peacock meat. And I thought, aha, here's an opportunity to test what this, this idea. So he asks his servant to keep some, to keep a slice of uh, peacock breast. And he takes it home with him. And day after day, he has a look at it to see whether it's going to decay or not. And he compares it to other meats. And he writes about um, his observations. So what we've got there is a hypothesis. 
We've got control variables and we've got a long-term experiment with the reporting of results. And we get a conclusion, which is that Augustine says, oh, it just dried out really. Um, so yeah, it didn't go rotten. Uh, he ended up with some kind of peacock jerky. Um, and, uh, and you think, wow, that is incredibly scientific. And the scientific method isn't supposed to have appeared until the 1600s. So this guy, who's supposedly, pathetically, unscientific, is 1,200 years ahead of his time. I can't imagine anyone genuinely reading Augustine and thinking that he was a dummy who started the Dark Ages. An Undeceptions podcast.